wonderful cat. Whenever he gets in a fix, he reaches into his bag of tricks. Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. You laugh so much, your sides will ache, your heart will go fit a pad. Watch and Felix, the wonderful cat. In this episode of What Is Be Idiots, I am joined with the, uh, I guess, infamously known Don Oriolo, the creator of Felix the Cat, or or inherited creator of Felix the Cat. Which one do you prefer? Oh, yeah. Well, my father and uh, Otto Mesmer were the, the creators. I, I, I sort of took it over uh, at his be- request uh, in the uh, 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I was in the music business, and but always, but always drew and always painted and, you know. I, I was wondering, like, did you or your father ever create other uh, cartoons besides Felix the Cat, like other branded stuff? Yeah, well, my father created Casper the Ghost. Uh-huh. Uh, he designed Chiquita Banana. He actually uh, designed what Chiquita Banana looked like. Elsie uh-huh. uh, the Cow. Uh-huh. Uh, he did that. And, of course, he animated Popeye and Betty Boop. He, he didn't create them, but he, no, yeah. he animated it. And uh, I've created... Uh, many stuff over over the years one of the most successful was coconut fred on fruit salad island oh i used to love that uh, oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, created, I, I created that uh it was on warner brothers uh yeah cw tv yeah but uh you know still do a lot of music stuff uh, my my background was mostly in music but mm-hmm. as kids my brother sister and i always drew and painted and you know, a lot of music, of course, in the family. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty rocking house, actually. Good. Growing, growing up. I didn't know you created for Coconut Friend and Fruit Salad Island. I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of people on the internet say that it was influenced by SpongeBob. Is that true? Um, maybe subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I I never really uh, I never really got into uh, SpongeBob, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, you know, it, I was on a plane flying back from L.A. when mm-hmm. I was designing the characters. Um, and I, I actually drew them on the back of a hard copy of my ticket. Mm-hmm. I, I still have them. I still have that in the files somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, pitched it to Warner Brothers and they loved it. And the rest is history. Great. It was the number one, number one show on, on Saturday morning on Warner, on Warner Channel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, everything is everything. It's like when the Beatles were writing a song, they were thinking of another song, even though it didn't sound exactly like the song, it was like their incentive or their, their use it as their muse, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there are a lot of ducks or a lot of cats or a lot of dogs or a lot of yeah. people, you know. I was, I, I'm sort of affiliated with the Ryan show and I was listening to that story you told when you created, um, not created, but helped produce Funky Town when you're working for which worker label? Um, I was, I was working for Chapel Intersong, uh, publishing company, uh-huh. uh, which was the, was the biggest in the world. Then they sold that to Warner's, well, a lot of Warner's stuff coming up. I didn't, I didn't create that. What no, no, was, you produced it, like made it big. No, no, I didn't, I didn't produce it either, actually. Uh, what happened was I was a publisher. Uh-huh. So my job was to get songs recorded by other people and to find new new good songs and sign them and give advances and all that stuff. So I was listening um, to unsolicited music, Tapes. which which we weren't supposed to do because yeah. um, if there was ever something that you listened to that was similar to something that you had already, um, you could be sued because you had access was called access to uh 
the other sound alike. But mm -hmm. I listened anyway, because I figured if somebody took the time, and this is my philosophy, basically, mm -hmm. if you're trying hard, really hard, and you go to the, to the, to the, the whole extent of writing a song, recording it, sending it to a publisher, you know, with a self-addressed envelope sometimes, or, or just like keep the cassette, you deserve to be listened to, I, I, I feel. And, yeah. um, and that there's none of that. There's just, that's not the philosophy. Um, you have to go, you have to know somebody, a lawyer or yeah. a, a manager or an agent to, to be heard, you know. And even at that point, the music business is such now that it's extremely difficult to um, make money in the music business because, you know, it used to be that an artist would make a record. We called it records. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think still the colloquialism for CD is a record, but, but even CDs are going, you know, the way of the, the dinosaurs. But um, you, so a, a group would sign a contract, they would play their songs, the record company liked the songs or didn't like the songs, they helped, they helped uh, pick the ones they wanted on the label, sometimes not the right ones, but you know, that was their job. They put the record out, then every record that sold, they would be paid on, and that's called a mechanical. And then every time a song played on the radio or TV or any medium, they would be paid a performance fee through ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC. And now that's no more. Like they, with Spotify and and you know uh, YouTube and Pandora and YouTube, I mean, they don't you, they pay so little. It's like point zero 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 five cents, something like that. Mm -hmm. So you need millions of views to just make any type of uh, money. So that's that's pretty much why the 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 old uh, or any of the established bands or singers go out and publicly perform when they can. Of course, this was all shut down during this, this pandemic, but yeah. that's where they make their money and, and on merchandise also. And now the yeah. record companies have what they call a 360 deal or 180 deal, depending on what the record company is, is which means they get a piece of uh, the merch, the merchandising, the publishing, mm -hmm the live performances, the whole, the whole ball of wax, you know? So, yeah. um, and of course, social media is so tapped out and so, you know, engorged with people. Anybody can put anything on YouTube or, or Facebook or, uh, but somehow it breaks through, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I just, my last, my last record I put out uh, called Jenny, I had, uh, six and a half million views wow. on Facebook and you know I, I don't know how many on on YouTube I haven't really looked but okay. tens of thousands um, and uh, that seems to be you know a way of, of breaking you know breaking in or breaking out or whatever you want to say but even that being said not that many people download you know from iTunes because yeah. you have to pay right. you know uh, so you'll get some notoriety, but you know, that and, uh, 25 cents won't buy you a ham sandwich. No, not that I eat ham, but, <laughs> uh, vegetarian <laughs> oh, really? or, or, 
a, a mushroom sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So when you were working as a publicist, I was thinking of this in my notes, looking at it like so publisher, 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 not publicist, publisher for music. Were you trying to when when you were in that world? Were you ever trying to like make a, a one hit wonder or or produce a band that could like sustain for a long time period? What was like the equilibrium of what you wanted more? Well, I mean, nobody goes in trying to create a one hit wonder. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was somewhat involved with the bubblegum era, mm -hmm. having played on some of the stuff and sang background on some of the stuff. Um, and they were actually created bands. There was uh, uh, one uh, singer mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that sang most of the leads on that, that bubblegum stuff, mm -hmm. Joe, Joey Levine. Mm -hmm. um he he was like uh you know so many of the hits was him you know and ronnie dante also mm -hmm. um you know sugar sugar was ronnie dante and he was also the cufflinks uh mm -hmm. joey levine was was uh fruit gum company and and uh uh well just just numerous uh bands that your audience your audience doesn't doesn't have yeah, any, no, yeah. no. any awareness of but the bubblegum era was uh 70s and uh it was big it was big and they were if you, then they created bands around the hit uh tony orlando and dawn tony was singing the the hits but he didn't want in the beginning it was just called dawn because he didn't want to lose his uh job as a publisher at april blackwood which was cbs and uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I, I went in there because uh, I, I knew him pretty well at the time. And I had, I look like, or he looks like me, I should say. <laughs> I had, you know, long black hair with a big black mustache. And uh, I said, Tony, why don't, why don't you go out and be Tony Orlando and Dawn, for God's sakes? So you're having all these hits. He goes, no, I can't. I'll lose my job. I said, you're going to make, a fortune on the road just grow a mustache like mine your hair get your teeth fixed a little bit and uh sure enough you know and i actually wound up working at april blackwood <laughs> mm. uh but uh so uh a lot a lot of that a lot of that happened my my mission as a publisher was to get songs recorded by major acts like mm -hmm. rhinestone cowboy um, I handled the publishing on that when I was at 20th Century Music um, or Ease On Down the Road uh, on Wing and a Prayer Records, which I helped make uh, to create the name. And I broke that by going around to all the clubs. Those were the days of a lot of uh, discos. And, you know, I, I had a pretty big disco label called Personal Records. Mm -hmm. and we had we had 28 chart records in two and a half years. So it was pretty... In fact, the, one of the biggest we had was Din Da Da. Din Da Da, Din Do Do, Din Da Da, Din Do, Din Da. And that was sampled so many times. And it was number one on the dance charts uh, for a long time and actually sold a million 12 inches on my label, which sounds great, but then you have to pay for the, pay for the press. <laughs> so you have to have another hit after it to, so you can get the, get the money in from the distributors in those days. It's a tough business. It's a very tough yeah. business. You know, um, I produced the first rap um, TV show called Rap Box. Uh -huh. uh, Ed Ed Lover was uh, 
uh, was on it, and then he went on to uh, the MTV uh, uh, rap show. Um, which, which was what exactly? Which show was it on MTV? Um, what was that called? Uh, I, I forget. Okay. But it was Ed, Ed Lover and uh, Dr. Dre. Yeah, I've seen clips of it on YouTube. They're quite viral, those clips. Yeah. So, but I had all, you know, all the big rap artists, uh, you know, for, of the time. You know, Which Kid decade Play. is it? 80s or 90s? Yeah, 80s. 80s, okay. 80s, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah, I've been around a long time. So, yeah. But eh, still plug it along. I just yeah. released a new video that, I released it two days ago, and it's got 30,000 views on Facebook already. Is it an animation, or is it music? What is it? Well, like? it's, it's, it's me singing to an animated background. Okay. Um, it's called I Will Follow You. Did you, did you do the animation? Did you have a department that you run to do the animation? Um, no, I, I helped with the storyboard, and uh -huh. uh, an amazing guy named Dan Carlock uh -huh. is the videographer, and um, he pretty much uh, created the whole the whole video i mean he's just he's an absolute genius and uh he's he's done a lot of a lot of videos and so so my hat's off to to uh to dan but um it it looks it looks great i mean if you get a chance if you're listening i'm, get a I'm chance, gonna watch it for sure yeah uh go on facebook you know just go into my name and uh -huh. uh, the videos i will follow you and uh yeah, it's 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 like a magical mystery tour kind of uh, kind of thing, which was a Beatle. I don't know. Do yeah. you remember the Beatles? Oh, I, I love the Beatles. Yeah. So uh, I have to say that because a lot of people know, don't know. Yeah, they're kind of they, aging they, out. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I met three of the Beatles. Which which ones? Well, I didn't meet George Harrison. So okay. I met all the rest. All the rest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was John 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 Paul, John Paul Ringo. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking that, like, um, when, when, like, so, like, what, do you ever do, like, when you were, like, working on your animations in the past, did you ever do the music for them or just have other people? Yeah. Do okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did the music, yeah. Uh, Felix the Cat, the movie, Felix yeah. Saves Christmas, um, uh, The Twisted Tales of Felix. Yeah. Um, that's me singing the theme song. Yeah. How, how, how involved are you with the making of the Casper to film, uh, Ghost Films? Well, the, the, uh, actually, I wasn't born when the oh. first uh, Caspers were made. Uh, my father created the character for my sister, who was afraid. She thought a ghost lived in a hedgerow uh, by their house in, in Florida. My, my parents, uh, my father went down to work for Max Fleischer Studios mm -hmm. um, to do Popeye and Betty Boop and Coco Out of the Inkwell and Gulliver's Travels and Batman. Um, so he was one of the main animators. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, with Popeye, most of the fight scenes and the dance scenes, my father animated because he was a boxer and yeah. a great and a great dancer. So uh, my sister and my brother were born in Florida. So he came. You know, my sister was uh, uh, in nursery school, and, and when she was coming home, he was in the hedgerow with this cutout um, cartoon of Casper. And, uh, you know, she fell for it, that he was a friendly ghost, and then she wasn't afraid anymore. <laughs> I was trying to rephrase the question. When I said the movie, it was talking mainly about the 1995 one. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, 
I had to fight for him to get the credit for him and, and Cy Wright, who, who co-created it with my father. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. luckily, I had the same lawyer as Spielberg. Interesting. And, uh, and of course, that's a conflict of interest. <clears throat> but um, uh, I, I got my lawyer, uh, Michael Engel at the time, to uh-huh. get Spielberg to agree to be in the negotiation. And he actually, I don't want to put Spielberg down, but he actually yeah. said to my lawyer, do we really have to give him the credit? Yeah. <laughs> and he's the guy that's supposed to be the bastion of intellectual property, you know? Yes. So, but they, he wound up getting, getting credit uh, yeah. on the, on, on the movie. And um, so that was, and, and that was uh, posthumously, my father had passed away uh, yeah. 1985 Christmas, Christmas night. Um, so, I was I was very happy about that, you know. In the Ryan show, you're saying you're very conservative when it comes to media of cartoon nature, right? Uh, wait, what? Rephrase that. What? What did I say? You said on the Ryan show, when it comes to media, you really don't like stuff like South Park or Family Guy. Oh, I like South Park. Okay, okay, but you were saying like with like animation, like you don't like like the crudeness of it. Did I say that? Yeah. Uh, I, no, no, I, 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 I probably meant. I prefer um, a fuller animation. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I mean, I think South Park is brilliant. Yeah. Um, fam, family, male, family Man is, is, is family funny. Family Guy. Fa- I, mean, I meant Family Guy. Yeah. Uh, is, is funny. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm a very traditionalist with animation. Yeah. I, I kind of like, I like, I like to do stuff for kids. Yes. And I, I, I don't like to, to do anything that's, uh, salacious yes or, or uh you know uh yeah mature what, what could be offensive you know i mean you know we're at a point now where yeah i don't know it's like anything goes yeah. anywhere you can say anything you can do anything it's my rights it's this that. there's got to be some decorum you know mm-hmm. uh otherwise it's just going to be total anarchy and that goes for animation also oh yeah you know i i like I like uh, happy. Yeah. I'm a happy kind of animator. You yeah. Know? Uh, that's and I'm not saying you know anybody anybody else should do what not do what they're doing. I just it's my my preference. I only speak about my preference. You no, know, exactly. I, you know, I get it because I do animation as well. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't do like I I don't really do 2D cartoon. I mean all the animations are made up in clay and stop motion. Oh, I love claymation. Yeah. You know, I absolutely love it. I used to, I had a studio in, in uh, Hungary in mm-hmm. a town, a city called Pech, mm-hmm. uh, an animation studio. And uh, the Hungarians did a lot of stop motion. They did a lot during the Soviet 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. And they, I, I watched them do a, leg, uh, a Lego mm-hmm. film on a, a whole sound, sound stage. Uh, where the the cars were racing around the track and people are jumping up and down, it was just unbelievable. Uh, it's so tedious. I mean, d- doing it the old way with a camera. You yeah. Know, you, you 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 took a shot, then you took another shot, then you moved it, you take another. You know, it just was so time consuming. No, I mean, animation is time consuming. A traditional animation is you know this is ninety feet in a minute of thirty five millimeter. And the average animator can can animate two feet a day, 
my father used to do up to five feet a day, which is why Disney was always after him and Hanna-Barbera. He did a lot of the Tom and Jerry stuff. Great. Uh, you know, but yeah, that I'm was pretty to, cool. I'm yeah. trying to remember the name of the Hungarian artist that like stop motion wise. It's called the Brothers, uh, the Brothers something. I wonder if you're affiliated with them or not. Yeah, no, I wasn't affiliated with with any of them. I just I I knew them all. I just can't remember. Yeah, because that was that was in the '80s, and it's like I'm I'm lucky. I, I remember what I had for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> I didn't have breakfast yet. That's right. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah, I'm just like um when um when when you said you owned the studio, worked at the studio, hungry. I owned the studio. Actually. Yeah, so this was like Soviet uh, era. Yeah, it was eighty um eighty four eighty yeah like eighty four eighty five. So what was it like uh, dealing with the bureaucracy behind the wall, getting for that stuff done? Oh, that was wild, man! I got to tell you, uh, it was still it, it was still uh, Ru- you know Russia, Russia still, yeah, Soviet, Soviet Union. But they, as you may or may not know, the Hungarians resisted the Russians. Yeah, they did. Uh, um, uh, uh, up until 56, which is when... The Stalin came in. Well, we, we kind of uh, yeah. let them down. We were going to come help them. And they held off the Russians. The Russians were coming in with tanks. And yeah. you can see on the side of buildings, the, the bullet holes and, and yeah. the, the, this band of, this small band of Hungarians held them off for like weeks. Uh, and then, of course, they 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 crushed them. Uh, yeah. But the very interesting thing, and a lot of the a lot of the um, Hungarians that came in were called fifty sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, so my date my date is off. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was in the forties that 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 happened. But then, because of that, um, we uh, allowed immigration uh, in nineteen fifty six. So mm-hmm. a lot of the Hungarians that came over are called fifty sixers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, so so the the, the uh, invasion wasn't in '56; it was like in 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 the '40s. But yeah, <clears throat> in any in any event, um, uh, the the uh, when I first first got there, when I was coming into town. I noticed the Russian barracks that were there. Mm-hmm. The barbed wire mm-hmm. was facing in and not out, so no one could get wire, out. Was to keep the Russians from going AWOL. Yeah, <laughs> because you know their conditions were horrible, and Hungary is a great place. Budapest is just fantastic. Yeah. It's just a, it's two cities, Buda and Pest, yeah. divided by the Rhine. Ah, uh, sorry, the Danube, rather the Danube. Yeah, uh, and uh, just full of of uh, history and tradition it's uh, little cafes everywhere and just so it's so creative i mean within art and music um it's just it's just fantastic i, I love the place so i was there all the time mm-hmm. we opened the studio um in page which was, which was about 60 yeah. miles outside of budapest um and um so my father gave me a good tip when I was doing uh, Felix the Cat, the movie. Mm-hmm. I had set it up for him because he always wanted to do a feature film. But at the last minute, he said, Don, I, I'm too sick. I can't do it. You, you should do it. And I was in the music business at the time. Um, so I sold my record company and some couple of the publishing companies. And um, I went back at it. You know, I mean, because, you know, I was always an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in the music business didn't know that. 
because I, I was so focused on, on music. But I always painted and always sketched and always, you know, tried to create stuff. Um, so, well, he said, the thing with um, Eastern Europe animation is continuity. There's no continuity. And, and like, uh, oh, God, what was the big, the big series, uh, something trick uh he was a, he was a superhero in any in any event so what you had is you had animators competing for awards for their scenes yeah so, so you'd see this superhero um I, I wish i could think of his name I, I just can't think of his name right now. um like in one in one scene he's like muscular and the next scene he's thinner and more athletic um so because they weren't paid much. I mean, they were paid in foreigns. That was the yeah. currency. And uh, you seem to know about a lot about Hungary. Oh, I just uh, me and my father have a hobby of like studying Soviet history. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's that's very interesting. Because uh, I did animation in in uh, in Bulgaria and mm -hmm. in uh, in Poland, mm -hmm. uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. Um, so, the, the you, what. You had to do is you had incentive, incentive, make incentive mm -hmm. for them, and by paying them more than they would be making, um, I, I almost had the name in my in my head of the of the character. Oh boy! Anyway, um, and um, and then of course I had to check constantly to make sure that the character had continuity mm -hmm. because I had so many animators working, you know, yeah. so many ink and paint. Yeah. Ink because that was traditional cell cell animation where every frame is is uh is drawn yeah now of course there's in betweening yeah, yeah it's where you have to like the layers it goes in between so it's sideways good yeah yeah and then everything is filmed on a, an oxbury 35 mm -hmm. millimeter uh every every cell at a time like stop motion only yeah know, uh, single input. frames yep single frames yep so i find that i find that interesting that you that you you and your dad have a have that very very intellectual hobby yeah that's it, that's uh we kind of got into it because he's from he's an immigrant from another country so like we just kind of like bonded over it and stuff what country? Italy. Oh, my father too. Okay. Yeah. Oriolo. Yeah, I, I'm aware from the name. I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I'm sorry. I, huh? I, I could tell it was an Italian name. Hey, what do you mean? It's a, how did, <laughs> you're trying to say that I'm Italian just because of my name? Hey, come on. Yeah. That's not, that's not politically correct. Correct, yeah. <laughs> I had an Irish Christian brother in high school. Uh -huh. they, my name is spelled O-R-I-O-L-O. -O -O. Yeah. And he would, he would make me put an apostrophe after the O, like O-Riola. O-Riola. Yeah. And if I, did, if, I didn't put it, if I didn't put it, he put a red apostrophe and took two points off of my test. So I got a lot of 98s. Yeah. <laughs> Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. Whatever he gets in and fix, he reaches into his bag and trip. Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. 
you'll laugh so much inside you lick your heart the rubbed in her bed. Watch you feel it. You wonderful cat. Happy birthday, Terry. Radio. <laughs> Uh, before we end, do you have any one like stuff you want to plug and put in the description for the podcast? Um, well, I have uh, an album. I have three albums on uh, iTunes. Uh, one is called When You Gotta Go, You Gotta Go. Another one is called uh, um, what, uh, Gee whiz. Uh, Earthlings Unite. <laughs> I had to think about it. Mm-hmm. Earthlings Unite. And the last one is Another Day to Be Happy. And, of course, I have the video out now. Um, you can look at it on Facebook or it should be up on YouTube uh, very soon. It's called I Will Follow You. But you can look on my YouTube channel. And uh, if you like some of that stuff, just uh, like it. Um, the last, last record I had out, uh, Jenny, as I said, had like uh, six and a half million views on Facebook. Wow. So, and you know, I'm work. I'm always working on uh, film projects and music projects, and and uh, so you can always contact me on Facebook. Don Oriolo. There's I have a Don Oriolo music, and then the Don Oriolo um, that I answer and look at, and I put a painting up every day uh, or a sketch. Mm. Or a song. That's good. So, yeah, man. So, thank you for doing this. It's much appreciated. Oh, it's, you're welcome. And I hope it hope it goes well for you. And uh, keep that history stuff going with your dad. Yeah. 